Thank you very much indeed. Hello everybody and welcome. We hope everybody is keeping well and staying safe and hopefully we'll get to see some form of normality very, very soon. But in the meantime, we've got a very special one-off show for you. We're absolutely and genuinely delighted to be joined by former Leighton Orient striker who made an immediate impact when he joined us and ended up scoring 20-plus goals a season for two consecutive seasons. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please welcome onto the podcast, Macaulay Bond. Evening, guys. You all right? Good evening to you. Keeping well, are you? Yeah, just about. <laughs> how, how are, honestly, obviously, you know, we're in a, in a very difficult, uh, very unusual circumstance at the moment. How are you keeping in, in, in these times, particularly, obviously, you know, personally and professionally? You know, I'm, I'm doing what I can to keep myself ticking over, but there's only so much you can do when you're running by yourself in a park rather than training every day with 30 odd players, you know what I mean? So how are you keeping fit? You mentioned obviously you don't have people around you, so have you got programmatics to do or is it doing stuff here and there? As you feel, I've been, we've been giving our programs week in, week out, and to be fair, the missus and I've started getting into fitness, so she's, every time I go for a run, she'll go for a bike, we'll go for, we'll go for like evening bike ride, so it's just, it's fair, we keep, we're keeping ourselves busy and it's nice to have a bit of company. <laughs> Um, what are you doing to keep to keep yourself busy and stop yourself getting bored outside of training? What does a championship striker do? Honestly? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I try and say, I, I keep saying to myself, oh, I'm going to take up a hobby, I'm going to start fishing, I'm going to start trying and play golf, but I just look at it and think, oh, that's, that's just really not me. <laughs> <laughs> learn a language, learn a new skill, cooking. I, I even... I even said all that before. I, yeah, I'll learn a language by the time I get back. I've not learned, not learned nothing, so no, nothing to be fair. I'm literally I'm sitting here waiting for football to start again. So it's been eight weeks now, right? So League Two is obviously done and dusty. That's not coming back. But Championship is still, as we understand, still open. Yeah, so far, well, as far as I know of, yeah, I'm literally, I watch Sky Sports every day to see if there's any updates, what's going on, but there's been nothing so far. But, well, as far as I know, it's going, going ahead, so... That's it. it sounds like you've got the dog busy in the background a little bit. Oh yeah, they're both. Well, they're puppies. Only seven months old, so they don't stop. Honestly. <laughs> now, obviously, I guess from your perspective, with Charlton, unfortunately, just dipping into the to the relegation zone. I'm assuming you guys have got the determination to get Charlton out of that relegation zone. So you obviously want to keep playing, right? You want to play the season out. Well, yes. Yeah, unfortunately, the one game we lose before this lockdown, we go into the relegation zone. Whereas all season we've not been in it, and then now we're in it for the last eight weeks. And if they now decide to cancel the season as standings, it sees us get relegated. So we kind of need to start playing again to try and get out of that to avoid relegation. So it's just a bit of a successful time. Yeah. And on a personal note for yourself, you've had a pretty good first season at Championship level. I would say you happy with what you've done at Championship level so far. Well, yeah, considering I, I missed the first few months of the season at the start, I was kind of really building up to championship level, and then when I was thrown in, I thought, I'm not going to waste my opportunity, so I, and I felt like I've taken it quite well. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're hearing a lot of good things uh, about your 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 goal-scoring tally uh, over at Charlton, but uh, Maka, we, we've got your whole Orient timeline here, so we're gonna we're not going to go through every single game and every single goal, but we're gonna we're gonna give it a good go for. 
the most memorable bits. But as always, we uh, we include our sponsor in this uh, in 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 our in our in all of our shows. So uh, a very important um, component of our podcast, AJF Plastering, or an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work specialising in silicone colour render systems and the best part is that there's an offer of 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. For more information and the best plastering and rendering prices around email ajfplasteringoutlook.com or visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter. And you'll probably kill me if I don't ask you, Macca, do you need any plastering done? I'm getting the eyeball from the message behind us saying, come on, I need, I need his phone number. Does, does he do, does he, do I get the discount for him being an ex-player? You do. You do. He already messaged us that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so let's start in, in the early days of Bordy Bond. So you first started at Ipswich, and then you moved to Norwich before joining Colchester United, where you made pro debut. But we're going to fast forward to the summer of 2017, and you joined Orient. So how did the move videos come about? Uh, well, basically, I didn't know if I was really in the new managers at, at Colu's plans. And then I kind of found out in pre-season what was really good. And I wasn't really playing a lot, wasn't involved a lot. And then they were supposed to go away on tour. And then I got a call, so basically saying, or it having a new sweep, no, like a, a new rebuild. And they want me. So, and from playing as Leighton Orient when they were League One when I was a kid, and I always thought, as I always think as Orient being a big club in London. So when I heard that, I just I went home immediately and was like, I, I need to be done. And then within, well, I heard about it Tuesday. I think I signed on the Friday. I was I, just, I need I wanted it done, a clean slate, a chance to go and make a name for myself. And well, here we are today. And obviously, you played at the last league game, Brisbane Road, when Orion got relegated. So you some of the troubles the club were facing, and then you actually scored the last league goal at Leighton Orient. Yeah. Well. I remember scoring about two minutes later, getting chased down by about 45, <laughs> 50 people. I was like, oh, no, I'm getting out of it. But no, yeah, I scored that game. And that, like, I think that's kind of what really led me towards playing for Orient because I saw how passionate the fans were about the place. And then the sun so bad happened. And it's kind of a club you want to play for to help get back to better places. And you weren't put off by the fact that the club had been so badly mismanaged and that you would literally be coming into a club that had very little left because it had been stripped and it was literally a rebuild job almost from the ground up. That didn't put you off, obviously. No, not, not at all because of where I was coming from. Me personally, from being a third or fourth, fourth choice striker to being given the opportunity to go in and be number nine straight in. I know obviously I've, I've not really achieved enough to go in and say this is my shirt, but I... Well, I was given the opportunity by Steve Davis to come in and do what I did, and I'm forever grateful for what I did, what he did to me. Yeah. So, Davis had only been there for four days before you died, and obviously, Barbara Rebuild, and you come in, Mooney's come in, um, you know, there's a whole rebuild going on. What were your first impressions of the club? Were you surprised at how well run it was, or surprised at how kind of lit there was at the time of you signing? Well, I was surprised really by. Obviously, what had gone on, and the amount of people there who still really cared about the club. Normally, normally these things happen to a club, and there's people there who are like all dull and down about it. But from the second I walked into that stadium signing, everyone was so happy, so fun, just to get the season started again to try and get back up to where it should be. And I think that kind of gave me a bit of a boost for when I was signing in the first day of pre-season. So no, I think I think it's probably it's, oh, it has been so far the best decision I've ever made. Um, so we started off. 
um, our, our National League life, if you like. Uh, we lost 2-0 away to Sutton in front of the BT Sport cameras. But we bounced back with two wins against Solihull and Maidstone before an embarrassing 6-1 loss at Bromley. And that's where you scored your first goal in Orient Colours. And it was the start of an impressive run for you. What do you remember about that, that Bromley game? Do you remember much about it or have you kind of erased it from your memory? Oh, yes, that's one game we've I've tried to erase so many times, but you can't. <laughs> so, we, so, so, is, so is every Orient fan. I think I, I think that game I saw probably one of the best assists of the season. And that was from Charlie Lee for a Bromley striker <laughs> goal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But no, honestly, it's one of the games that you try and forget. But obviously, I've now seen it's, it's the start of where my goal scorer started for Charlton for him playing Orient. Yeah. The was, was it kind of once you got that one was it kind of a monkeys off your back were you feeling it because obviously at this point it's four games and were you feeling any pressure oh yeah of course because there was always uh, pressure on me to come from the higher league come down to score some goals and once I did I think it was a massive on my shoulder to go and crack on and carry on and going does it, how, how does it affect you Macca when you're not scoring goals and, and particularly I'm not just talking about like a one-off game but as a genuine sort of consecutive two or three games when, when you don't score does it really affect you that much uh, and, and your confidence or do you have that level of self-belief that it will fall for you shortly and, and, and you'll be fine it did when I first joined but then when, once I knew I was starting to I was chipping in with more than just goals what work work great assists but helping a team out, it just kind of thinks I go and play every game as best as I can. If I score, it's a bonus. So when I was scoring, it was a bonus. If we were winning, it's a dull bonus. And if I got an assist or helped someone else score or just done something more for the team, for me, that was that was enough. Even if I didn't score, as long as I knew I worked, worked, worked my, my plums off, <laughs> I was happy. I think we saw so that abundance. Once you got your first goal, that kind of set off your kind of run. So you followed it up. You got a double away at Woking. You got a fantastic head goal at Maidenhead. You got your first Orient hat trick in a four-one win against Geisley, um on September, which was the first Orient hat trick at Brisbane Road since two thousand and six. Uh, you then scored a belter at Wrexham, a super header at home to Chester, and in your grand form, sort of pulled up to your national side Zimbabwe on the eighth of November. Did you see that? call up coming did you have a feeling you were going to get called up or was it out of the blue no I I knew it was coming because I speak to them quite frequently but it's one of them things that I was when it came I was happy to go and do and do you think that it did improve you as a player was it challenging it's different experiences and I think you need them as a young player you need to go and explore your if you're not from like a a big-ish country if you get a chance to go play for your country you get different experiences. I think everyone needs, needs to go and see what that's like because then it, it opens your eyes up to how big football is here than it is in Africa because then you see like there's people who can't afford food but will literally go watch pay, spend the last bit of their money to go watch a game. Mm. And it, it makes you appreciate what you have got over here and when you see the fans over here, over here it makes you appreciate it a lot more. And obviously playing on the international stage, I guess with players that you weren't really familiar with, does it add sort of nerves? No, I think you just, when you're there, you just kind of adapt and just crack on with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
So after a strong start to the season, then the Dio started plumbing down the National League. And then on the 14th of November, Steve Davis was relieved of his duties. I mean, from the players' perspective or from your perspective, what was wrong? Why, why weren't we getting results under Steve Davis? I don't think I can generally put a reason on it. I just think. I think it's more towards collectively as a group. We weren't good enough at the time. And I think that you can't you can't put the blame on Steve Davis because he'd done what he could and that's just unfortunate that it, it went the way it did. But I don't think you can really put a, a reason why it didn't work. Yeah. So, so Justin was then appointed two weeks later at the end of November. What was what was, what was his first meeting um, like? He's, he's come in, he's been appointed and obviously he comes in to meet the players and to address you. What was that like? <laughs> Um, no, nah, because obviously I, I heard about him before where he took Newport up to the conference and he, he, he actually managed one of my friends, Alex Gilby. And he was told me, like, manager he played under who was a real, like, like he was inspirational, like he knew what he was doing. He, he loved his job, which I said, bro. And when I heard that he took over, I thought, and I heard a lot of, like, things how, oh, he's a nutter, he's, he's, he's crazy. And then when I saw him walking, I thought, oh, all right, here we go. Like, he's going to have a go at someone. Or, but now, nah, to be fair, he walked in and he, he set his authority straight. He knew what to do. He knew what the target was, and well, he achieved it. And he gave that uh, famous speech, right? He's not here. Um, well, he's here for a family-friendly podcast, but yeah. he's here for memories. Oh, of course, Tim. I think in them eighteen months, two years, he made the memories. But you got, you got you still, I still, I probably speak about them every day. I've got, I've got the JE badge in my living room just sits on the side I, I go past every day I've got a little message from his family and I think he's someone you can't forget you'll never forget and you can't forget him because of how how much like impact he brought on my life yeah 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 absolutely so his first game was two days later against Solihull obviously we know that finish that finished 1-0 and we lost that what did Justin say after that game did you kind of feel like the tide was already turning yeah, and plus we, got, we, we all got absolutely nailed because about three or four of us wanted to give our shirts away. We just lost two on the Solihull, we're giving our shirts away. And he came in and absolutely battered us, but I think he needed to assess what his team was, who he had, really. And I think after then, I think it kind of kicked on, really, didn't it? And he, yeah, didn't, he, make, did. he didn't make too many changes in terms of personnel. Usually managers come in, they want to get rid of half a dozen people and bring in half a dozen of their own, but he didn't. He kept faith with, with you guys. I think he had belief in us. He knew he knew what he had. I think he knew if he worked hard to get out of us, he could get the best out of us, and he or well, he did so. Yeah. So after the Solihull loss, Leo's form picked up almost instantaneously. We picked up at the table, sat in Justin's first home game. You got two goals in that one, um, which is great. We didn't lose the game, then all did not beat us three to at home on the twenty seventh of Jan. So what what did what had Justin changed to get a losing team eventually? The winning team that looked a different side. I think it was work ethic. He knew how to get the best out of every player, even in, in your little sessions before training, after training, the little single like one-to-one sessions where you think, oh, it's a bit of a jolly up. He'd make sure you work 110% and make sure that you weren't sacking it off. He made sure that every time you were out on the pitch, you were giving your all. And I think if you've got a manager that is putting you so much, you take it out to weekends and I think that's what gets you the best out of you. I think that's what, that's what helped me, personally. Cool. Um, okay, so we've, 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 
moved up from that. Steve thought at the time we were we were um, obviously doing we've been doing this podcast for sort of six years now. Steve was adamant that we were destined to visit Wembley in the FA Trophy and win the FA Trophy. He was calling it in our podcast. I said, "Don't do that because we're late in Orient. It doesn't always work that way." But as as we went through this through this competition, we beat Bognor Regis, where you scored a header and a four three away win at Dover in which you scored an absolutely peach of a goal. When the ball comes into you, hold your man off, you sort of turn round to your right and then left, left-footed in the top bins was an absolute quarter of a goal. Um, and then in the quarter-final, we were three up against Gateshead, but we ended up drawing that game, three or What do you remember? Do you remember much about that game? The Gateshead one, yeah, I remember it being absolutely end-to-end. From there, I think their equalising goal... I broke through on the left and I think I went because I was so tired I went across the ball and I, 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 I ramped up in my calf and the ball kind of went over the goal they went in on after they had a quick, quick goal pick, went and scored and I'll never forget after the game bro going to me I can't say exactly what he said but in short word what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't say he won't have enough but then after it he say he pulled me in the, in the hallway. Was like, oh no, I didn't mean it. He always like hate the moment. Yeah. And then once he yeah, he'll take a second to make personal. Is that what he thought? But no, I think that's that's what made him such a good manager. He knew when to turn it on and turn it off. Mm. But yeah, that was a pretty mental game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And imagine that was just watching it and playing it. So Joseph picked up towards the end of the season. You kept up your scoring form. You got goals away. Alex Baxton filed. You got a double at home to Woking and a double at home to Barrow. And we ended the 17-18 season by beating Gates at away 3-1, which has got another header from a well-worked corner to bring your season's league. You got 22 goals that season, 25 in all competition. Did you set yourself any targets at the beginning of the season? And what you happened with your overall performance that season? Oh, I wanted to get all. And the start of the season, I said to myself, just, just get 15. Get the 15, and you're, you're like my target. When I got 15, I, I went every right. And I remember, I remember Gates said on that night before, saying to Joby, it's like, Joby, like, sooner or later, I've got up, sooner or later, this corner we got to work. I went to score for the corner we worked on so long, all season, love <laughs> the end of the season. And, and honestly, that's why I ran. It finally worked. The season, so I was happy to sign up for that one too. Love it. Fantastic. So you were happy with your goal tally for the season then. Um, was there ever a question of you leaving Orient at the end of your first season with us? There was some speculation which um, which was suggesting that maybe you, you know, there were other bigger clubs circling. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, there was. There was a lot of people interested. There was a lot of talk, but I hadn't really done enough yet to warrant leaving. If you get what I'm saying, I didn't, I didn't want to, I'm a doe straight away because I want it done for me. To be fair, I said quite a persuasive guy when he hears that stuff, and so is Martin Ling. And to be fair, they, well, when they offered me my new contract, it was something I really couldn't say no to. And where I knew how what we done in the, the time he took over, so it was quite exciting to see what we'd do next season, the players we had. So I was never going to leave that season with that. You mentioned the following season that was coming up. Did you have any? of how well the season would go. I know Justin was very confident saying, you know, he said to the owners it's all about winning the National League, but did you have an idea how well 
doubt was actually going to go good prior to the season off. No, I didn't. You can't sleep, but to be fair, one thing with uh, the gaffer, Justin Edinburgh, always said, this is our season. We, did, we had every time had like a 10-game review. We just kept seeing it better and better and better, and it got to a point where we played 40 games with like four, four, five games to go all it takes now is just a few wins and whatever, and we're there. And it just, it just went literally like that. And then next thing, we you know, obviously rest of history. Yeah. So the 2018-19 season started with an away game at Salford, live on BT Sport. Uh, you got off the mark in the third game of the season, scoring two against Barrow and a two-all draw. And we then went unbeaten in the first 13 games of the season, including a hat trick away at Braintree, uh, a penalty against Boreham Wood. Um, further goals in wins against Solihull Barnet and a well taken away goal uh, sorry goal away at, at Harrogate were you surprised with how well the team started that season because that's quite a punchy off straight out the starting blocks kind of start for us yeah it is but because the way that Gaffer drew it into us week in week out like he never saw us as being a team he saw us being a football league club so he got us playing working Got our mind as football league players. We know we can we go games. We're we're not here to stay in national league. We were there playing, trying to get back into football league. Mm. I mean, once that's drilled in, I think and I think everyone falls into that same mindset to we're, we're winners, and that's what he drilled into us. And I think that's what made us so successful. When you go to places like French and your Barrow, and it's cold and it's horrible, is that? Motivation to go look. I don't play in here. I would be somewhere else, like back in the ball league. I love it when you go in away day. I love it because you think now, like like you said, that you want to go there to get a result, to get away from all this. Mm. And I think that's what our mindset always was. Like we we go to places like that, and you think to get a result here, we win here, we won't, it won't have to ever see this again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a few more points closer to getting out of the league and not having to go back there on a cold trip. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, there was a big change in that in terms of David Mooney kind of wasn't your, strike, your main strike partner. It was a young guy ripping it up in Josh Caroma who had a really big impact on the set. How did you work together so well? Because it seemed that when Josh came in, it was an instantaneous partnership that kind of gelled instantly. Well, when you put this out, make sure you tag Josh in this. I did all of his running. <laughs> I did all of his running I did that but to be fair Josh Cromer for a young player to have been at Orient so long gone through the bad times to now go and turn it up again and change his game around to be a striker I love playing with him because I knew when he got in the ball like you see many of my goals if he gets his ball at wide left or, left or on the right or anywhere my main thing was like right, get in the box because I know he's either going to get a shot off or get a crossing and look how many goals scored from him. Just look to you, out wide in the ball, out left, and putting balls in the box. I just knew straight away like where to be, what's doing. I think that's why we we work so well. Yeah, I remember I watched the um, season view that the club got on YouTube. Josh Cromer does an awful lot of goals and you're kind of one step ahead of him, a bit like Lisby and Cox, where he gets the ball wide and you you make the run, knowing where the ball is going and it's happening and it's happening there. Yeah, I, just feel, I think, well, 
Josh, Josh will always say, yeah, it was a cross, but I know he's always been shooting and dragging him wide to me. And that's why I'm <laughs> he's definitely getting a tag in this one. In every promotional tweet, Steve, we've got to make sure Josh Garoma is tagged in every single one. Um, Absolutely. The points and the goals continued uh, to come in, and in November we faced Bromley at home in our one-off kit. Um, that was the um, the hundred year, the centenary of the of the war, the First World War. Uh, if you remember, Macca with the red with the red V, and I think everyone looked very dapper and a very proud moment for us fans. Yeah, I've got the shirt upstairs. Lovely. Um, sadly, we didn't get uh, we didn't get those. Um, in a fiercely competitive game, we came out 3-1 winners. You scored the third goal. It was a bit of a hot-tempered hot-tempered game, that one. I remember the, the one the previous. I think Ross Embleton got sent, sent to the stands in, in, in a previous Bromley game. <laughs> Even the dogs kicking off. Even the dogs having a go. Uh, just the mention of Bromley. Um, what do you remember of that Bromley game with, with us in the, the V-kit? Oh, I remember obviously we had, we had the, is it the people playing the trumpets? Oh, sorry, I'll go inside. Yeah. The, the people playing the trumpets? Yeah, the battalion. I remember we had a, a big day for us. But um, I just remember there being a lot of hype around, obviously their situation. Um, sorry, guys, I'll go out the front here, so I can't Absolute soldiers, and when I finally did, I thought, oh, I've got to go and do it now. And I so I went and done it, and it was nice. It was gesture, yeah. Um, so, yeah. When you were going into Christmas, games thick and fast, with you being a constant name on the team sheet, I mean, we all know how hard you work during a match and kind of how many games there are to play. How, how tired were you, and did you need a rest? Um, you know what, I don't. There's times where I thought, oh, I need a rest today. But then, the second you put your boots on, your shirt on, it kind of all goes out the window and you kind of just, carry, just crack on and just go. Nothing, it's like nothing affected me. And that's why Kent Teague used to call me the Dirt the of Bunny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's sorry. He used to call me the Hummingbird, so I wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, after scoring a double at the end of January at home to Maidstone February was a sort of fairly quiet month for you and in March we picked up some vital wins with you scoring in a great performance and a win at home to AFC Fylde and then we entered April with us being in a great position to really get promoted how confident were you that we were going to go up at that point? I think you got to the last 10 games and just it was so close but I was always I knew I think from after, from after April or the last thing, and I knew we'd do it. It's just a matter of doing it in the, in the professional way. I think we went on and done it like that, so that happened. Yeah, we ended up winning it on two draws, didn't we? We drew our last two games of the season, and that's how we ended up getting promoted. It was enough to see us up. Yeah, that was mental. I don't know if you've heard it before. Two, two draws in the end of a season and win you the league. Crazy, yeah. 
at the same time, we were also in the FA Trophy final. Was was the final knowing that you had the final coming up and playing on Wembley in front of a massive stadium? Was that causing any kind of distraction before the season finished at all? It wasn't a distraction. It was more excitement. But I went real fast. So, April started with a defeat away, uh, unfortunately, to the bogey team, Bromley. And then, and then we had a last gasp equaliser at home to Halifax. And then we had Eastleigh uh, at home, which, which was a great match. We won that 3-2. You grabbed a goal in that game. How important, obviously, wins toward, at any point in the season you know, are important. But how important was that win in particular? because Eastleigh are always a, a tough side to go to especially on a Tuesday night I think to grab a goal in that game was probably up there one of my most important games because they were obviously they're in the round it by the playoffs I think they won it because as much as we did but I think the quality showed towards the end yeah I mean that was a massive game obviously we went 1-0 down then we one down and then we got two second half goals to win the game three two yeah. and that nicely leads us on now to certain away we had a lot of questions about certain away so as you all know one all last minute keeper gets the ball and starts doing kick ups you start bearing down on the keeper what's going through your mind when you're bearing down on the kick ups I just thought what the hell was he doing sorry I'm just in the, in the bedroom with my phone in charge um, no I just I kind of thought, what the hell was he doing? But I just, I just bared down on him, and then he carried on doing it. And then the next thing, he booted me in my hamstring, and I fell down. I thought, this got a penalty, and it was. Which leads us on nicely to the penalty. Can you talk us? We had a lot of questions about the penalty, obviously, because of the scenario, because of the type of match. It was obviously going to be the last kick of the game. What are you thinking when you step up to take your penalty? Can you talk us through it? Well, I'm, oh, I'm a confident pulling taker, but I think that's probably got to well, be one of them, or probably is the most most nerve-wracking penalty I've ever had to take. Because I remember putting the ball down and looking at the clock, and it's saying something like 89th minute, and I was like, is it really that late? I, was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But, nah, to be fair, like, when it comes to uh, penalties, I've always been... Confident. I think I've only ever missed. Sorry, I only ever missed um, one in a major cup when I was like sixteen. But no, I remember him saying to me, it was obviously wasn't didn't this, the goalie get sent off?" Right. Good question. I yes, I, I think don't think I don't think he got sent off for. I don't think he got sent off. Um, but either way, it, it was a great penalty. It was smack bang in the bottom corner, and the keeper did get close to it. Obviously, the way you put it in the corner, he couldn't get there. And then, what was the feeling once the ball hit the net? Well, I was obviously hosting. I thought this is probably one of the most important games where I need, I need, we need the result here because that kind of pulls us not away, but like gives us the advantage. And then, once I scored it, I actually ran over to my missus and her two brothers. And they were in the stand, and then all of a sudden, there was about 30 people diving over them. I remember Josh Colson, to this day, he actually helped me push about 30 fans off, off, off the top of him. And he grabbed, he grabbed them. If you look at back at the videos, you'll see, he walks off with a little baby in his hand. Yeah. Like, 
and that's why they're with brother, and that's why because they get he was getting, they're getting crushed. So to this day, Josh Olsen is a is a a big favourite in my family. He's, that a, way. he's a hero. <laughs> well, we'll have to tag him in that one as well then. But, but just to take a step back, Maka, like you, you sort of mentioned nerves, do you? How, how do you deal with that? Um, do you do you have a clear plan in your head where you're going to put the ball, irrespective? How do you decide on that before you? So you just don't have anything else to think about. How do you deal with that side of things? Well, for me, a penalty is one of the Bristol Road. There was always, if I took a penalty, um, what stand is it now? Tommy Johnson. That's that. Uh, which is the one when you come out of the tunnel and you sit on your left? The That's family the stand, the north stand. Yeah, so now there was always a a, uh, a billboard that said something like O's family and it was always to the bottom left corner. I remember my first penalty against Geisley, my first at Orient, I thought, if you hit that zero, it's going to be a goal. And that kind of stuck in my head the whole time I took penalty. I thought, I always thought there's an O in that corner, put it in there as fast as you can and he's and you know, not saving it. And I, that's how I... Um, I took my penalties and my thought process went through them. Hmm. So that Sutton win followed up with a 2 0 home and win over Harrogate on the Good Friday. Then on Easter Monday, we go to Solihull. We get a 0 0 draw, so it meant, even though we weren't mathematically promoted, we pretty much were. I mean, what do you remember of that day? I remember being in the away stand and it was a full time whistle. Well, I remember actually having my. I had a chance and it was saved late on. But I don't know how the hell to keep the stage. I thought, it was, I've got, when, it, when it left my foot, I thought, oh, this is a goal. When I saw him save it, I thought, oh, not to that. But yeah, then now, he had a worldie that day. After the game, when we saw like, the table, all we needed, when we needed was a point against Braintree, it was kind of decided, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was almost done, but it never really is done. Uh, and as we all know, we drew 0-0 at home to Braintree and we won the National League. Bit of a Bit of an odd game, that one. Yeah, Brains had a very good game. I thought you wouldn't have thought they're the team where now gonna got relegated from the league. Yeah, they did play well actually. I thought they were they were a fairly I thought they gave a fairly good account of themselves to be honest. But it just yeah, it we, just felt uh, weird. Yeah, it was a weird atmosphere. When, obviously when we knew we kind of had won it but I had to stay professional and they were kind of down, it was kind of like not a lot to, well, there was a lot to play for, but for them there wasn't because they knew they'd gone so but then we I just thought to go out there, get a point, win the game. But I actually scored in the game. I remember, I remember watching the game back, and I weren't, I weren't offside. So I'd have been five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still claiming it to this day. I, I always know I was never offside. <laughs> <laughs> so the fourth time we sort of finally win. I mean, what would, what, what were the emotions like when you hear that fourth time whistle? Well, I remember seeing my brother Chandler. Uh, I, I see him on the, on the side of the pitch for the like last five, ten minutes. And the second that full time went, my brother, like the first person out of probably thousands of people was my um, younger brother. And he came on me, he jumped on me, and I thought, him to get through everyone against me first, or you're an animal. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you were mobbed. You were absolutely mobbed. Obviously, it's, it's a pitch invasion unlike the last one that you were involved in. Circumstances, but no, it was. I literally, it was overwhelming. Like having people say so much, to you, well done, we love you, and others. You don't think about it as being like a, a football club. It's all like all the all the fans there on the day who come with and week out. It's more. To, it's it's more than just football to them. It's their like their livelihood. They they work all week 
come to come to us play on a Saturday. Mm. And when, when we didn't perform well, and I you, you, I do I used to drive home in a mood thinking like I've got well my family working people and they come to the game weekend and perform. When we don't, it does it really upsets me. I think that's why what we did get promoted it meant so much to them. It probably just meant just as much to them as to us. Mm. So, How did you celebrate on the Saturday night? Yeah. Sorry, what was that? How did you celebrate on the Saturday? Did you go out with your family or did you... Uh, yeah, I actually went, we went upstairs to the family area. Got a ham, got a hook. Had a few drinks. <laughs> That's fine, you can say you got hammered. That's all right. I mean, every, pretty much every Orient fan got hammered on that Saturday who, who was drinking and then in the, in the, going back to my um, my dad's house to celebrate with him. So it was, it was a nice, not, nice way to end the day. Very nice. Funny interview on BT Sports, Jeff Brazier, where he's trying to interview you and you basically get blinded, right? You can't see a thing. Yeah, I can't see. <laughs> 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 no, nah, literally, the, the champagne in my eyes, I tried to firm it and I, I remember in my eyes and it, I, I didn't even make it play it. It just came out, and luckily I didn't wear on live TV because I was hard. I'd been been devastated. But no, nah, but but nah. If you ever, if you ever get damp in your eyes, tell me what your first line of words are. Because I guarantee you, they cut. I yeah. can't see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as you had the FA Trophy final, so it wasn't really the end of our season. Although we'd won the league, it wasn't the end of the season because we had the FA tr- uh, Trophy final still to come. But that wasn't for another. Uh, three weeks um, was it difficult waiting for that three weeks because usually you guys would obviously go on holiday you'd sort of relax a little bit but but you couldn't no because I, I just knew when well as a boy to play at Wembley is a dream yeah. so I knew what was coming so I was, it, I was I wanted to hurry up and come now for me I was wanted to, I knew I had my holidays but after that I knew I was going away so I thought it's safe fit and that and then come to the FA final when I've got I, I think I had 120 people from, from my home time which come up on, the, on oh, wow. tour of the coaches amazing that's amazing, amazing. So, we sit here this evening nice a year to the day since that final and a year today um, since we played at Wembley how, I mean, how was that Wembley experience you said it's like a play at Wembley but the game was you know, we had our chances, we didn't take them, we lost to a pretty good free kick. Um, for most fans, it didn't feel, didn't feel real almost, or it was kind of, you know, we lost, we came away so we won, because we done what we intended to do at the end of the season. Well, it ended up being a free day, really, a free day for everyone, because we'd already been promoted. And to go get a result at the level would be nice, but just the occasion of having late nor it and myself, personal note, at Wembley and be a different day was enough. Like that's why I, I did felt bad after getting blown. It didn't really affect me how it probably should have been if we hadn't won the league. But I just thought I would achieve what we need to do. And now at Wembley, bonus day, and I'm playing here with a lads. Been I couldn't have been more proud proud of. It. So it's always, yeah, like you say, always always a dream to play at Wembley. You got that chance to do that, but unfortunately uh, the result didn't uh, didn't go our way. But it's a good experience for you, for you nonetheless, and something to tell your kids and grandkids in the future that, that you played in a, in a trophy final there. But three weeks after the trophy final, um, I think it's 
absolutely fair to say we were all absolutely heartbroken uh, when the news broke that Justin Edinburgh um, had sadly collapsed and, and had then uh, passed away. What were you? Where were you when you found out, and, and how were you feeling at that time? I was actually in Mexico on holidays. I remember being back in my room getting a, a message saying like the gaff's been falling ill, and then what a few hours. A few hours later, found out that he passed away, and I couldn't really because I was in the wrong country. I didn't really want to show emotion, but then it kind of just took out of me. And I think I cried. I will I'll admit that I cried for about a good two, three hours because mm. of the guy he was to me. Like I don't know, it's probably he's inspirational to me upon what he what he did the player, now what he did as a manager for me to get me to be, to be the player I'm today. I think. It's not even a part of being a CC or whatever. It's just being a man. And Absolutely. And I did. I sobbed for about two, three hours. And I, I did. Obviously, the food was heartbreaking. And probably for even now, they want to talk about him. It, it hits your heart. And I see his badge every morning in my living room, and that really makes you think. Like life's too short to mess around with it. Like make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice words. Absolutely. Then on the seventeenth of June, it was announced you started to go on athletic. So I'm saying, how did how did Charlton come about? How did that move materialise? Well, I, after the two seasons I had, I had a few interest, but I remember when the interest had come about, and the one reason I was so comfortable, not comfortable leaving, because it was always going to be a hard thing. But I spoke to Justin Edinburgh, and he he he, he, he was always said to me, if the opportunity came around, me go playing championship, ever ever. Stand in my way. I think if if I'd have left after him saying like it would have been wrong for me to, I think I'd have gone about a different way. But I think he's made me the player I am today, and he made me into how I am to go and show everyone what I can do at the high levels. And I'm I'm very grateful for it. Shortly before the move came about, I gave an interview on Talksport. We had a few questions about. Yeah. Stage, you were happy at the club, and why would you leave? So, what persuaded you to? It was championship football at a young, at a youngest age. I think I, I don't know. I had an interview with PG Sport a few months back, saying I want to be in a championship by twenty-five. I've had the opportunity to come in and play in the championship at period of time. I don't think that's something any player might have passed upon. But it was honestly a point. It was the hardest decision I've ever been for so late in all. And even to the start, still speak to Charlie Edinburgh, was it Orient? And I just want I'll always have a special, a special place in my heart for. So it wasn't the fact that you were going out, at, you know, saying one thing to the media that, you know, I'm, I'm not having my head turned and I'm happy here, but then actually secretly behind the scenes you're getting your agent to edge a move away. It's just the fact that a championship club came in for you and it was, it was an offer that you obviously couldn't turn down to obviously be given a chance to play championship football and to fulfil your ambition. Yeah, it was overwhelming. Yeah. I've been playing in the conference last two seasons and now a championship club want to take a chance on me it was like it was, I was excited yeah but yeah I'm probably about brain shrink now but you know what I mean so yeah, completely <laughs> get that did you get a chance to say goodbye to your teammates obviously you left it in the summer or trying to start did you get a chance to say goodbye not not how I would have liked to know because I asked that when we but I think that was part of 
that was probably the last where sign off, do you know what I mean? Like having the Wembley Day together one last time. But um, we're still to the same, we all feel we need to have a big, we actually had a big group stuff, and I think that's, that's overdue. But I think there'll be a few, a few pints, a few tears shit. Yeah. <laughs> what was your favourite Orient match, Macca? My favourite one? Yeah. Either one that because you scored your hat trick, or because you scored a good goal, or because you felt that you played really well, or because whatever reasons that you have. If I were to say to you, my whole time at Lethbridge is probably that answer because I've never been that happy at football before that, even even after the football on that. I think my whole time at Leicester has been a big bump for me. I think it made me a boy to a man. But like, I couldn't have a game or a goal on it because no matter how well you did or how bad you did, like, the players always picked each other up or had the air uh, or being positive for us. I just think it's hard to put important on one specific goal or game. Because I, I enjoyed the whole time there. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like the outside in, it a very close knit guys. You've also got Justin, very good at kind of uniting the team. And you've got the elder people at the club, like your Jovies, Coulson's, Charlie Lees, your Lawless's, like good characters. There's a young man kind of in his first proper striking role. It must have been a dream for you. Yeah, and plus, I used to do a car share with George. And Josh. We got we got a question coming up on George Elikobi. I didn't mention Elikobi, but yeah, we know about you and George. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but being, being a, a young, <laughs> obviously I had to drive everywhere. Tag and both in this, I had to drive everywhere. The both fall asleep in my car. Rain. So no, it was honestly there was such enjoyable times. Little car school from uh, from the Suffolk Ipswich re- Cambridge region. Then yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, impressed. Me and Fisher Stalford in the training. Right. Yeah. So before we answer our listener questions, we uh, messaged a few of our connections. Ross Embleton said to ask you about the finishing sessions after training and how much you and Josh used to batter Sarge and wind up Sarge penalties using the bounce boards. Sarge was so competitive and the lads used to drive him mad. Tell us about Now, to be fair, every session we'd always, always measure we'd do a bit of shooting or a bit of a, a penalty shootout. And then we start it and he'd always keep Ross like lingering lingering around like and I'd be like, I'll get involved and he always he's got this penalty technique that I don't feel I ever saw a Sarge save one. And he used to get so <laughs> and he's and Ross would score one and he ran away, swing his arm in the air and start honestly, so then it got to the put where if we're doing penalties, Sarge well, wouldn't let Ross do them. Yeah, no, not doing, not doing, not doing them. <laughs> and honestly, that. <no. laughs> and you see, Sarge loses everyone with Ross, like because he can lose it to basketball players, but he couldn't really lose it a lot with a coach. But so he'd mumble under his breath, oh, honestly, and Josh Caroma used to get home to him all the time. <laughs> Amazing. Josh Coulson said to ask you how many times he scared you in the car, and how loud was George's music. <laughs> Tommy drove I couldn't fall asleep <laughs> he'd have a break scare me and that but then the Georgia the Kirby part sleeping oh, I was never it gets about 
morning with and his music would be off full blast and he's we used to actually George never knew this. We actually used to text each other. I always be in the back, he'd be in the front. And we used to communicate through text because of how loud his music was. We were sitting there laughing. <laughs> we actually had a clue. So after this, when this comes out, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, secret's out now. I used to love the Monday, especially after you scored on a Saturday. You knew there would be a George and Kobe video at 7 in the morning of him singing like Mac is on fire or some Bond tribute song at the top of his lungs. Oh yes, he's fair. I love that guy. He honestly is a family man. He cares about everyone so much, and like if you share one car journey with him, learn so much where his knowledge of football, where he's been, where he's come from, and so I'm grateful for for him so much. Even him, John Olsen, everyone at the club, them two main prospects both my days with them. Yeah, I've got the utmost respect for him. Yeah, absolutely. Elliot Burnham, best he's I said, I remember the game against Haven and Waterloo at home. The second goal came from the near post and was headed in. From our angle in the press gantry, it looked like Macca had missed it and it had gone in off the defender, so we gave it as an own goal. But Macca was adamant, he touched it and it had gone in. We looked back at the angle and he honestly got nowhere near it. But even <laughs> he wanted every goal he could. He gave me such a hard time for weeks. But it was all in good spirits. I think in the end, we tried to play off as Mac's goal post-game. We did use the pitch side angle, and for a long while it worked. But I think eventually, the National League, months later, took it off Mac, and he was fuming. Honestly, he was nowhere near it. <laughs> I'm sure he will still argue his case today. What a lad. My goal. Still my goal. <laughs> <laughs> what I can't believe is he, he never gave that. But his one goal Joby scored the season after, it was going to the corner flag. Look at the Fletcher went in and he gave me that one. So when that happened, I went straight for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How can you give that one but not my one? But apparently the video evidence says you didn't touch it. I touched it. <laughs> so we... so we got quite a few questions. Um, obviously, you've probably seen we put this out on Facebook and on the forum and on Twitter. First question from a fan comes from our sponsor. Is how much of an influence did Justin have on your career? Is it any advice in particular that he gave you that sticks in your mind? Is there any, what is a one line kind of got in your head over and over? I think it was well, not one line, it's more like he was very encouraging. He cared about me, I think me personally as a player, whereas if I was to miss a chance, I remember, I remember one game specifically, I remember Maystone at home. I think I flashed about two or three chances first half. I remember walking in, being so angry, and he pulled me across and he said, look, the more chances you get, the more chances you get to score. So if you get the next one, just bury it. I remember the next one coming across, Charlie Lee headed back for a corner, I touched it down and volleyed it in the goal. And I think he... I don't know, just, I, I, said, I can't really put a line on it. I think there were so many things that he influenced me in my career so far, even to this day. When I'm up, when I'm up in a, a good game, I'll always just, I'll, honestly, a lot of people laugh, he has such a foghorn of a voice, his voice is so loud, and you can hear it anywhere. <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm in Ipswich, I can hear his voice in Chelsea, and he has such a loud voice, that you know where he is, whereabouts he's in the training ground. I think, even to the day, I still hear him encouraging me. I think that's what spurs me on every single day. Yeah, very nice. What's your answer? 
our friend Warren, who sits by us, he said, at what point did you think, yes, we are going to win the league? Son, that game, I think that game really, for me, secured it. Oh, penalty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And who's... Also, you... Sorry, John, Steve. Sorry. He said, who's your favourite strike partner? And actually, someone else asked uh, a similar uh, question. Again, I can't but... one, I shared. Sorry? Go on, Maka. Who, who's your favourite strike partner? Oh, we seem to be having technical difficulties here. Are you there? Okay, so slight technical glitch there. Maka, the last question that we asked you was, who's your favourite strike partner? And actually, we had a couple of questions, uh, a couple of other people asked a question about sort of past and, and uh, you know, strike and not necessarily even at Orient. So I guess who's your favourite um, strike partner from Orient times and perhaps from somewhere else as well, if it's, not, if it's a different person? Um, from Orient, I'd say... If he doesn't say Josh Caroma, he's going to be in for it. Yeah, it's going to be Matt, Matt Harold as well. Okay. Because Josh Caroma, I knew he'd give me the legs to run behind, but I think when Matt Harold was playing, I knew I'm not the target man. Yeah. It's more, it's run off. But I think for me, it's between, between Matt Harold and Josh Caroma. For very for different reasons there, yeah. Massively, yeah. So from Facebook in, we had quite a lot of questions. We've got Paul Lipscomb, which says, would you consider coming back to us in the future? I personally thought Macca was the best striker we've had at Brisbane Road in the last 20 years. His passion and his work rate was unbelievable. And we even named our dog after him. So I know you only left last summer. And there was a few questions about potentially coming back one day. I guess it could happen one day. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd like to back to life. Oh, I'm on 49 goals. Well, one more to get 50, so I did like it one there, didn't I? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, we had another question come in that said, what was the major difference between the way you was managed or developed at Colchester United uh, to the way that you were coached and managed at Leighton Orient? Obviously, two diff- obviously different managers, but... I wasn't seen as a, a young boy anymore. I was seen as a... A main man. So I think we're going from a young boy at a club to a main man at a club at another club. You get treated differently, and I think that's what happened for me. I think that's what's really, really started to make me as a player. Cool. Jim Cow didn't ask the question. He kind of more put out saying that penalty at Sutton has got to be one of the best penalties I've ever seen. All man was good on penalties anyway, but given the context of the match being one it's to go and given the context of the league it was a massive moment in the season and a huge amount of pressure and I think it was a real measure of the amount of how he did it so assuredly the keeper went the right way and nearly got it but the penalty was so accurate and so well hit that he actually had no chance to save it aim for and hit the nine perfectly empty under those circumstances to courage and skill it was such a massive moment that led to going on to win the league from there so a nice moment there from Jim uh, yeah, honestly, it was uh, all the same. It was the most nerve-wracking part of my career as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you dealt with it well. I mean, there's obviously a certain mechanism in you that that prepares you and enables you to keep calm under that level of pressure. Um, shouldn't be underestimated because we've seen it 
even at international level, people don't necessarily deal with that pressure so well? I think you've got to breathe and calm. Because be as calm as you can, you've got more of a chance. I think it's players you rush it. I've always, I've always got my always stand, and I always stand dead on the about 10 for things like bit of deep breathing and I'm ready to go. Yeah, that's what's all risk We had another question that came in uh, that said, after a season in the Championship, in fact, I think there's a few, few people asked this question, after a season in the Championship that you've held most of a season in the Championship, do you feel any other players from the promotion team can make the step up? championship clubs that play differently would suit different players in the Orient team I think the, the the work ethic in that team together I think each and one level the team will have come in a championship club at a part of their career even since I left so yeah I'm confident in that interesting great answer, great answer. we had a question from Devin Baba Queen Timothy about playing nationally it's a, a, Okay. Um, we had a question come in that said, how has playing at international level improved your ability? Has it had much impact on your game? Not game-wise, because it's a bit different out there. It's more experience, I'd say so. Cool. How quickly did the move to Charlton come about? Um, and one on to add, I feel like we should cover to be fair, he heard him say, I feel like we missed the focal point up top this season. More than just a head pick, i.e. hold up play, running the channels and ability to spin shit, nice faces in the box. I guess I'm saying, last season you did well, you deserved your shot at the championship, and you go down in Orient's old block. No, I appreciate that answer. Yeah, no, um, came about pretty quick, but I think it was a decision I had to make thick and fast due to the circumstances. I think right now it was the right one to go and try and get higher at the leagues as fast as I can. Yeah, because you never know when that opportunity might, might come. You might get injured and then never get that opportunity. You know, right? of course, when you're a striker, you're not, you're not, like, that's it, you take the um, What do you miss most now from your time at the O's, says Spencer Nightingale. Just the feeling about the club on a match day and around the place. Like, you can walk up to the, to the same. Everyone's great, you're saying hello, everyone's so friendly, you walk in there. Like, just the feeling about the whole club is so welcoming and so fat. I think that's one thing I miss major and mainly. Do you not get that sort of similar thing at Charlton then? Is it slightly different vibe there? Yeah, not so much. Obviously, it's seen as just the championship club. They tend to kind of try and keep you away from that stuff, whereas right. like a few weeks ago watching it. And yeah. I sat in the West that. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure on you there. I've got a few questions on the forum. Uh, lots of questions about this. What does Macca's out on Sunday actually mean? What is Macca's out on Sunday? <laughs> right, because I'm from Ipswich, gone quite far from everywhere in London and that. Every 
the night out was in like London way or real far from me. So I was never ever out. I'll hold I was never because it's so far from me. So it's one of the things that it, it, it caught on when that happened. So that's one of the things. <laughs> it's not that you weren't allowed, it was just the distance. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, who would you pick as the most important person in your footballing development whilst at Orient? Oh, Justin Everett. Well, I don't. Yeah. I thought that might be the case. Next question was, how much of a step up was it from conferences championship football? And was there a part of the game that you struggled with the most? Massively. And I thought I was quite a physical player. You get the championship. And everyone was like me. So I, I changed my game to try and be different. Help me. Score the goal that has to fight. Sorry, I didn't quite catch the end of that, Mac. I say that again, sorry. Uh, I think me adapting to the championship being different how players are Okay, so you've had to change your game a bit, adapt because they're just as physical and just as quick at that yeah. level. Yeah. Um, when we lost two one away at Bromley on that horrible Tuesday night when Marv got sent off, who needed to be restrained the most? Because the guy that po- or the person that posted this set question said he nearly got arrested. With the, agro, with, with the aggro at Bromley, I think that's when Ross got sent off and there was fouls going in. It got got a bit silly. I can't actually remember that. Remember that to be honest, I can't. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Next question from the phone. Was do you think you are a better player now than this time last year? And what has improved? It? I guess we've kind of touched on your adaptability, um, but I guess you think you're a better player now than what you were last. year? I'd have to say yes because I'm scoring. I'm now, I'm now scoring goals in the championship, so it's just a yes. But um, I just think there's not much has changed about my game, which is more clever in the box. Yeah, and has Lee Bowyer coached that into you then, or is that something you've just naturally adapted to yourself and figured out yourself? I've had it in me, and just now learning, and he's helped. He's helped bring it out in me. So I think fair to say, yeah. Nice. Um. When you signed for the O's, did you ever imagine how well it would turn out for both you and us? No, it's just it's, it's like a blank canvas, isn't it? When you start when you start a new club, like you you hope for good things to come, and it did. Yeah. I think the final question from the forum is: What were your top five moments in your two years at the club? So we've gone through your favourite goal, which was all of them, uh, and your favourite matches. But there any moments that really stand out? Oh, I've got so many. I've got so many years from. The Josh Colson brace, which I never saw, set up ever on his header. Uh, the George Ellicobi basketball kick. Oh, I've got. There's so many over the years. Like, stuff, even after the training. I've got some crazy stuff after the game from. There's probably a hundred things to say to speak about that place. I think. I think you know what? I could write a book about I think you should. I think there's one worth buying there. Um, Favourite goal from, for Orient? Do you have one? Like a top one? Favourite goal? I'm going to go with Brett Maway. Second season. Okay. Late on the, the left foot volley. Because it's so important to beat them. Away. And it came in like the 80-odd eight year, eight year minute. And I think yeah. the, where I've been working on that volley in early in the week, 
keeping the ball down the low when I volley. Like, game, I think that kind of sent us a bit of a one thing you enjoyed most about being part of Leighton Orient apart from obviously scoring goals of course I can just go in the train every day with a smile on my face like knowing that everyone there cares everyone there like wants to be better than the day before you go in the train you've got the same banter from Charlie Lee you get onto the Miles Judd you got <laughs> everyone batter and Juddy you know you come in the train and there's that sort of vibe around the, around the place. It kind of like buys into everyone. It's just a happy place. Yeah. Player who we interview always mentions Miles Judd. <laughs> Which, for the last like four years, everyone mentions Judd <laughs> all the time without fail. Absolutely. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but I love all three hundred. Who was better during the promotion season? You or Josh? Oh, I'm gonna say me all day. More goals than me, but no. Nah. He's not, he is an unbelievable young player and I really enjoy playing with him. Jamie Buck 98 says, any funny behind-the-scenes stories at Orient? Now, I'll re- remind you that this is a family podcast. <laughs> um, when I'm retired, I'll let everyone know about him. <laughs> we haven't got that long, mate. We, you know, we've just gone the hour now. We're not sitting here recording for the next 20 years. Um, there's some funny stories that you know, but there's, there's a lot that I can't that way. Okay. We have to do it in the follow up. Smoko sent us a message saying, Who would your ideal strike partner be? Must not present. I think this could be any striker that I've played with. Anyone. Oh, anyone. I don't know. I think for me it'll probably be someone like Diego Costa. Who, sorry? Diego Costa. The physical element. Yeah, just because he's nasty. And he's horrible. But I think you don't see many strikers like that. Like the old Duncan Ferg. Like oh, yeah. You don't, like, you don't see many like that anymore. And no. I think that Costa rule, he gets stuck in. I know he's horrible and he's nasty, but I think a lot of defenders don't like it anymore. I think for me, that'd be my... I like the player, that's one player I like to play from with. Um... You told BT Sport that you wanted to play in the championship by 2023-24 season. You're there now. You've handled the step up quite well. Has it truly sunk in how well your career has gone over the last three years? Do you take time take time to just think about what about your journey? Because you you know you, we, we've covered it. You're out of favour at, at Colu. You weren't seen as as the main man there. You've taken a massive gamble by sort of coming to Orient who had dropped down the league and and you know now you're playing in the championship it's a bit of a fair, not fairy tale in a bad way but it, it's it's been amazing really it's yeah I do to be fair because I, I, I go, in my house I go past my old Cole U shirts I think a few years ago I was out of favour and I actually 
nearly retired for football. I thought, I can't do this anymore. I got that bad in my mindset. Like, I thought, well, I couldn't stand it. And I think going to Orium revived my career. So I always look back at it and I think, I'm very grateful for what Leighton Orium done to me because they've made me know. They've, well, the club, Justin Edinburgh, made me fall in love football again. And I can't, I'll always prefer to be grateful for the place. Great answer. Great answer. Great question. Saying, if you could pick one Orient player after being in the Falcons for the U, who would it be and why? Josh Colson, because he knows there's no nonsense. Ball from back to front, get me running in behind. He just knows. And yeah, I'd say Josh Colson just because he, he knew how I played. I didn't have to speak to him for a game. How would he do? When it's full, he's put a ball in the channel for me to go into and go and do it again. Nice. And what do you think of his forehead? Is it that big? Oh, it's humongous. I used to slap every, every morning. <laughs> um, the Wheel Dog uh, tweeted in and said, just says, I'll just say thanks. You could always tell Maka was a work in progress as a young player making his way in the game, but I loved your dedication to the team, the cause, and giving everything each game. Your willingness to run the channels and be a target was class, as were the volume of goals. So no question there, but just a nice nice comment. No, I appreciate that. Was, I hope I that affected a lot of fans at Orient. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, just to come in on that. I think it's important that that we we had a lot we've had a lot of different types of players at the club over the last sort of, you know, century or whatever, but but those that work hard and show their willingness to run and and put their put the effort in will, will always be appreciated. And I don't think that's just Orient, I just think that's just any football club. So I think that's why you endeared yourself to us so quickly because we could see that there was a guy who was prepared to run. That's my game. That'll never leave me. That's always how I'm going to play and how I always have done. So I'm never going to change it. So I guess for the final question, then, do you have a message? Do you want fans out there tonight to kind of go two kids there? Yeah, my message is everyone hope you're staying safe. Look after yourself. Look after your loved ones. I know it's hard, but I think what would you rather be doing? At home with your loved ones. Possibly knocking each other with sick, blowing that paint and decorating or <laughs> away from them for a weekend or a night. I think take your moment you can be family. Very good. Stay at home with your families. Be grateful for what you got. Very nice message, uh, Maka. That's it. That that that's all the questions that we had for you. We had we had an awful lot. There was a lot of duplication, so we. We hope that we've got everybody's uh, questions in. Thank you very much indeed for giving up your your evening, uh, Maka. And uh, to those listening, uh, apologies for any of the technical issues that we've we've had here tonight. It's uh, one of those things when you're doing a podcast in uh, in in a lockdown situation where you can't all be uh, together. But if you are listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give our podcast a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud. Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. We're also on smart speakers, so listening to the podcast has got even easier. If you've got an older relative, a loved one or an Orient chum who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone, download it for them and pass on the pod. Yeah, so all that's got to say is McCauley Bond, thank you very much.
very much. It's been a long time coming to get you on the podcast, um, and hopefully we'll get you on again when you can for these training ground stories. No, I appreciate it for having me, Anthony. It's been a, been a nice and a nice good chat tonight. We appreciate it, and thanks to Matthew as well, your agent, for helping to get this set up. He's a sound guy, really, really. T- you've got yourself a cracking agent there. I think uh, I think that's a great choice. Uh, and it just leaves us to say thank you very much to everyone for listening. Um, obviously, the League Two season for us has now finished, so we'll, we'll no doubt be doing our roundup podcast at some point in the not too distant future. Keep calm, stay alert, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Adios. Cheers, guys.